everybody welcome to sonic talk number 285 recording live today wednesday the 3rd of october i know it's the third because it's my uh, good lady friend partner's uh, mother of my child's birthday today happy birthday jane hey so um apart from that it's another great week because we got a bunch of people um joining us not purely uh, this feels like an honor again i mean not that it always isn't but it's absence makes the heart grow fonder so i want to say to rich how are you? Rich Hilton. Oh, I oh, think good. I'll do that. We'll say hello to Rich Hilton there over in Connecticut, who we haven't seen for a little while. Um, I, I didn't test your vocal. Can you just give me a quick one, two? You're one, two. That's it. You're a little bit quieter than usual, but that's okay. If, you could, if you've got a little bit more level, that would be fab. Coming right up there, Nick. Thank you very much, Rich. So how have you been, Rich? I, we've, we've missed you. You've been busy. I have been busy. Uh, all kinds of different things. That's good then, right? Yeah, it is good. Is that a little better level? That's perfect. Skriltonius, as uh, Chevy Traveller says in the chat room. Um, oh, I have to go to the chat room. There we go. Skriltonius is in the house. In fact, <laughs> I have got, uh, I've got a load of... Um... Anyway, uh, uh, and also we have uh, over there in uh, what looks like a completely different destination, we've got Gaz Williams. Hey. How are you, yeah. Gaz? I'm very well, thank you very much. Where uh, are you in the world? <laughs> yeah, I'm in Bryn Mawr, which is in South Wales, uh, and I'm in a facility, um, BRFM. It's a it, it's a radio station, but it's also a media centre. Uh, they've got a, they've got recording studios and. Uh, Does that stand for bloody read the manual? <laughs> BRFM. I, well, on the website, I think it says best radio for miles. That but, sounds um, more likely. Yeah, but uh, it's a great it's a great setup here. It's um, it's a really interesting place because it's uh, largely run by volunteers. And gives people plenty of um, hands-on experience of uh, of you know running a radio station, but also recording studios and uh, and you know Brimmer is quite a so you know it's been sort of quite a neglected area, and you know it was part of. So it's like sort of community recording and media centre, right? Pretty much, yeah. And, you know, uh, Brimmer, just to give some historical perspective, is part of the South Wales coal mining valleys, which uh, pretty much the mines, the collieries are all kind of closed down sort of 30 years ago or thereabouts. So, yeah. um, you know, so, uh, you know, a lot of the valleys are, are emerging from this kind of darker sort of chapter, really. But the amazing thing I find with... Um, with places like Bryn Mawr, it's just the raw talent of people here is just absolutely incredible. But in the past, have maybe kind of lacked um, uh, outlets for that, you know. So, so this is one of those. So um, tell me, Gaz, um, they obviously have great network there. So that's a start. So what are you doing there? You're doing a live broadcast, right? Yeah, I'm playing. We're going to do a live broadcast here behind me. Um, uh, it's quite a nice. This is a big like live area. Um, this is going to be broadcast on. 97.3 if you're within the area uh fm but it's also going to be broadcast live on the net on brfm i think it's brm brfm.com i'll uh, i'll check up on that um but yeah so we're going to be we're going to be live from nine o'clock gmt uh, is it gmt um uk time that'll do UK i never time. i never yeah. know which is which yeah so we're gonna be nine o'clock so please everybody if you're if you, if it's possible 
check it out because it's uh we're gonna be, i've been playing with rumbelows that's a surf band i play in um, all right yeah that's roughly um five hours from now yeah for those yeah, of so, you who are, are somewhere else in the world <laughs> but uh yeah it's i mean as i say i think just I, I was really impressed when i arrived here and, and i got a little tour around and um and they were showing me the second uh the second radio studio and these two little chaps came out i mean it must have been about like 13 years old or something and they'd been doing the weather report <laughs> <They'd be> doing... <laughs> so you know uh... excellent that sounds great i i would try and tune in there actually if i'm uh, if i'm not out of the house but that sounds yeah. really good anyway well thank you very much for joining us and also we're going to go over here to mr dave spears who's ever decreasing um stack of gear you're now just left with what looks like piles of cds which you're probably are you going to take them with you or are you going to stick them uh, um in the bin dave is moving to a new some, office premises yeah some i'm gonna take uh, no i've been ripping a few in the evenings and weekends and stuff like that i can't live without me john martin uh but there you go so yes it's getting smaller but i don't know how we're gonna do this i really don't it's getting closer and closer and I know it's going to be really painful. Well, Dave, of course, uh, maker of fine uh, software instruments. In fact, um, I did see uh, you posted a video, and we posted it on Sonic, of uh, you uh, backstage at one of the Ultravox gigs. I didn't see where that was, uh, where you were talking to Billy Curry and uh, Chris Cross. Is that what his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About the instrument. They basically just use pretty much exclusively G-Force. Uh, are they like your G-Force bo- boy band? I guess so, but not so much. <laughs> Yeah, boys to <laughs> middle-aged men. Um, no, they're great. And they've kind of, Billy's been using our stuff forever. And then when they kind of reformed a few years ago, uh, yeah. Excellent. Just helped them set up and it was good. And a hot tip, yeah. I took my nipper and she did all the camera work because my eyes are getting worse. And everyone was really, really nice from the production people to all the stagehands. They were just really obliging. Top tip, take a 16-year-old girl with you. The, uh, uh, an accessory every man must have on a <laughs> filming. Everyone, it was a totally different, you know, and people couldn't be more helpful. That's brilliant. Whereas, oh, hello, you're nice. Oh, yeah, oh, that's really nice to see you. Brilliant. Excellent. Very and very nicely done as well. Anyway, you can see that on the on the site. Uh, we're also going to say hello to uh, Mark Tinley. Mark Tinley is there also. Um, I wonder what he sounds like today. I wonder whether he's going to be sounding like um, Ethan, uh-huh. Ethan Weiner or... Uh, uh, and because uh, somebody said in the chat room, you're looking. You last week, you looked sounded like Ethan Weiner and looked like Robin Gibb. I feel like I ought to do something special now, but um, well, just, just being that. here is special. Well, you've got a different set of sunglasses. I know. I just uh, Gina arrived back from t- collecting East from school, and I looked out the window because she phoned me when she came in because this car that she's got borrowed because she smashed our car up, so she's borrowed another one. And it's got Bluetooth on it, and it rang me up. Ah, the car rang you. Well, yeah, so you are sounding better. I think last week there might have been a sample rate issue. It definitely sounded a bit like you were a semitone and a half down. But uh, Mark okay. Tinley, likebeing.com, sound artist, and, uh, well, look at a hair, hair and glasses artist at the moment as well. You're <laughs> ever-changing. <laughs> it's my new image, yeah. I like it. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. <laughs> right, we but we be, we best get started. Um, the first thing is actually uh, well, it is quite. I haven't got anything to play, but I've got something to show. So if I just go to here, we can have a look. This is the news that um, Neil Young's uh, launched this thing called Pono. Um, 
which is only one consonant short of something else. But it's basically uh, a very high-resolution audio player. And uh, Neil Young is kind of famously known for... Uh, in fact, there's a great line in the Guardian article which says, Neil Young is, fa- is a, famously belli- a famously belligerent audiophile, <laughs> which I think is something that I think any of us would be proud to have on our, uh, on our tombstones. Um, I think... Uh, but, uh, so he's launched this thing because he's basically always sort of said, MP3s, it sucks, you know. I mean, we put all this stuff out and it just gets crunched down. This thing, the Pono, will be able to play 192K, 24-bit, full-res audio files, which, when coming from somebody as, uh, 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 as, as kind of um, uh, prestigious as Neil Young, sounds like a great idea... Um, I'm not. I'm not. That there is no other fact apart from there are various uh, record companies on board. Um, like uh, Warner Music has already converted its library. Uh, there's apparently Atlantic and Sony and uh, Universal, uh, all kind of going. Yeah, well, we could get on board with this. I wonder if this is because um, Neil Young has such clout when it comes to sales. Because I noticed uh, a kind of fairly rambling version of Heart of Gold had 20 million hits on YouTube, but. I don't know, is, is this a good idea? I mean, Rich, you're probably making um, records perhaps on a higher frequency than, than the rest of us, apart from maybe Gaz. So um, what, what does this mean? Do you think this is going to fly? Well, I'd like to hear it, first of all. I'm very interested to hear it. And um, I wonder what the D2As are, whether they're any good. I mean, they'd have to be, really, wouldn't they? You'd hope. When you say the D2A... Uh, on the on the device because this thing has oh, headphones on, on their actual device. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, obviously, if you're taking all that high quality audio and squeezing it on there, you're going to want it to sound pretty damn good, right? Yeah, I, I could hardly be more skeptical of any of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. I, could, I, I think I might I'm use that. I'm trying so hard to be gentle about it. Um, you know, from the idea that if you blindfolded Neil Young, turned him around, spun him around in the chair three times, played him a 96K 24-bit file, a 44-1 24-bit file, and a, re- and a 320 megabit encoded uh, AAC file, that he could reliably tell me the difference. I would love to see that happen, first of all, just for openers. Then after we get past the fact that, let's say, he's not necessarily the world's, like, and he might be the world's most astute audiophile. I, I literally don't know. But I don't assume he is because he's, you know, wrote Cinnamon Girl. So, um, but it's a cool thing to get an artist pitching your thing in the area, you know, with music. It's involved in music and all of this, but really the actual technological aspects have nothing to do with music. Um, so I want to hear it. You know, like I said, I, I could hardly be more skeptical, but I am open-minded and hopeful that a world in which we have now finally infinite dynamic range and infinitesimal distortion specs... Uh, we could finally actually project that to a world that would give a darn. Um, at at 3.9 gigabytes an idea. hour. <laughs> Pardon? At 3.9 gigabytes an hour file size. Oh, is that what it is? Apparently yeah. so. I, that's what I looked it up as. I hope I'm right because uh, I'm sure people What's will tell me if I'm not. A file. Sorry? You see, the thing is that you got to store immense files. One of the nice things about these compression formats is the convenience aspect, which is yeah. why they were invented. Um have we gotten into the point where flash memory is so inexpensive that we can compete with that with a 192K file? And furthermore, I mean, like, if we really want to talk about it, I don't think you could – I'm not sure any of us would reliably tell you the difference between a 192K file and a 96K file. 
I guess what's funny about that, I, I'm sure you're actually right, uh, um, unless, of course, you're in Neil's listening environment, where I don't doubt he has, you know, that uh, studio environment. I'm sure it would be much easier to tell than on a pair of earbuds coming out of an MP3 player. Yeah, sure, but it, I still can't tell. <laughs> okay. Damn good sounding environment, and I'm here to tell you that the differences are negligible. Right. So, um... I think it depends on the material, but I mean, I like the idea of it. I just think it's going to be re- really difficult for them to distribute this stuff because it's massive downloads. I mean, they've got the record companies on board. It doesn't really take much for them to have to do that. So that's probably not such a big deal. But I mean, well, your data density in terms of delivery and everything else, storage and what you have to sell people in order to be able to hold enough of the stuff to make have it make sense. Um Meanwhile, Apple Lossless sounds pretty good. Mark, I think Mark's the one who hipped me to Apple Lossless, weren't you, Mark? At one point? Hi, Mark. <laughs> Never mind. Hello. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Apple Lossless sounds good. Yeah, you're right. I don't, um, what do you think, then? I mean, do you think, I mean, I'm guessing that perhaps one of the reasons that the record companies are kind of picking this up and giving it credence is because they're thinking, hey, a new format we can charge ever so slightly more for, or maybe a yeah, lot exactly. more for. Well, we can sell you all your music again, again. that seemed to be in there. Or part of the business model is that, yes, we'll replace all the, you, the music that you've got already, but you'll have to pay for it again. Well, why? And then we've remastered everything to this new format. Well, what do you mean? You took the 44.1 16-bit CD and then you just put more bits in there so that I think that it sounds better? I'm or sure that might be the case. Completely in a... go back to the studio and start all over again and remix everything from what, though? 24-track, 2-inch analog, which has got nowhere near the bandwidth or the, or the capacity to do this? Okay, sure. I mean, if they want to release new music in this format, say, say they told me that, We've recorded the London Symphony Orchestra in this beautiful hall with a very, very tame and quiet audience who aren't going to make too much noise. And we've recorded it with the best microphones, and it's in 192 24-bit. I'd go, yeah, I want to hear that because I want to know if it sounds like the orchestra when I put, you know, my... And then I've got to spend probably $1,000 on headphones to make it worthwhile, right? So when I plug my $1,000 headphones into that box... If it sounds like I'm sitting in the auditorium, then I'll be impressed. But I don't want this. I don't want to go and buy this. What I really want is I want a multi-track version of some of the music that's out there. Wouldn't it be more effective to take all of those bits and all of those numbers, sell me 3.9 gigabytes of, like, stems? So I've got the bass, the drums, the guitars, the keyboards, the backing vocals, and the vocal, and maybe, like, a few other things. Maybe, what? It's eight times the size, isn't it? So give me eight stems instead of, instead of a stereo master. Give me, uh, give me eight stereo masters, which I can play around with, and a little player to do it in. Well, that sounds like, but I think I think perhaps the uh, the reselling of the music is possibly one of those things. I know, Gaz. I'm guessing you're uh, you have thoughts on this, being that you in, inhabit the mastering world to a degree as well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as Mark said, you know, they're talking now that they have, that these big record companies have converted their entire library into 192K. Now, I found that really, I didn't believe that, to be honest, but also, yeah, what... what, what Smacks of a batch process, doesn't it, really? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but but what's the point? I mean, if the information isn't there and then you're up sampling it, you know, what is the point? That is just ridiculous. Well, I mean, maybe we're talking back catalogue that was mastered onto uh, high res, you know, onto half inch tape or quarter inch tape or whatever. Maybe <sighs> maybe it's come from that. You know, there there is you no. Know, let's not kind of. But yes, I doubt um, no. that all of it has. Well, I mean, they're talking about like. You know what? Who signed up now? It, I mean, the big labels have signed up. Universal, Warner's. Well, Warner's are signed. Everybody else is interested. Oh, interested. Okay, sorry, my, my mistake. But um, and and so it's like Warner's are saying that their catalogue has been sort of uh, encoded for this format. So you know, so I yeah, so that kind of got me. I mean, I'm a big Neil Young fan, but I have to say, I watched him uh, doing a, I think it's like a half an hour long interview on all things digital. It's, uh, I think that's what it is. I think that's what I saw it on. And talk about a curmudgeon, you know, he certainly is. And he's, uh, he's you know, he doesn't put a very convincing case forward. He's sort of a, uh, and I mean, I understand why. And I think really what may have been all that was necessary was for Apple to offer, you know, in iTunes to offer sort of um, the the lossless as a as a as a purchasing uh, you know option sort of uh, you know well yeah no I think win. that would make sense I mean to be honest the the iTunes store is is in dire need of complete reorganisation and that could be one thing that they do at one point just kind of go look here you go you can have the original yeah. files that we were I sent. I, I mean, the iTunes store has undergone a big change at the moment, and I and like in this month now there is a brand new version of uh, iTunes for PC and Mac launching, which is big improvement. Uh, however, I mean, I was pleased in some respects that you know that the hegemony hegemony is that the right word Hege, I, hegemony? I don't, okay, I don't know how you say it. That sounds right. <laughs> uh, I don't know what of, it means though. Of Apple and iTunes as a sort of um, the way to buy music digitally, you know, they're, they're challenging that. And obviously that's kind of probably why the record companies are so interested. But, I mean, we've been talking about the death of hi-fi over the last sort of 10 years, just in the, in the fact that convenience outweighs kind of high fidelity for a large percentage. Yeah, I mean, we're inherently lazy uh, as, as a species for that sort of thing. So what yeah. is easiest? Uh, and, you know, Neil Young's kind of uh, answers to sort of, you know, questions about that is just saying, just download your song overnight, you know, saying it takes like an app. Was he saying it takes like three hours a song to download or something? And I was just thinking, ooh. That's not really the buy it now, I want it now society that we've all come to know and love. It's a hard sell. (laughs) People have changed. Things have changed. Now, I do like the idea of high quality and, uh, you know, being able to buy high quality. I mean, I always feel really a little bit sad when, you know, if I've done a project and recorded it at 96K, 24-bit, and then having to take it down to, well, just taking it down to 44, uh, oh, it just, it does lose something. I am I am a fan of working 96. I have to say, I've never worked in 192, never, ever had any job come in that's 192, so I haven't really got much experience of that. Um, but 96, I love right, to yeah. record at 96. Um, so, you know... And when I listen to stuff at 96, in fact, unmastered as well on 96, or, you know, very gentle mastering, 96, awesome, lovely. That would be amazing to be able to play that and for people to access music to listen to like that. I suppose part of the problem is, though, is we're, I mean, this, this kind of opens up a whole different kind of kettle of fish, which is the fact that the reason that our music is so highly mastered is because of the reduced dynamic range in the actual 
playback devices with MP3, for instance, and the compression makes it easier. But also our listening environments. You know, we're listening while we're on the bus where there's lots of background noise. We're listening when we're in the car where there's lots of noise. So everything is sort of pushed up to kind of poke above that noise floor of background, whatever it is. So yeah, it, yeah. it really doesn't. I think the devices should handle that side of things. So, you know, you should have a sort of like, you know. Noise cancelling affair in it. Something, yeah, mm. built in, you know. And uh, I mean. Yeah, with a lot of the mastering I do, I really am trying to sort of tell people that, you know, try to... Anyway, that, that's going into... Well, we, I, we have talked about it before, where there's two versions that you do a mastered for kind of like general consumption, and then you do a light-touch mastering, which is more yeah. high, higher resolution, not quite so much full-on. You sort of back all the, all the compression and the, and the limiting off a bit, just so that you can kind of let it breathe a bit. But I guess that's double... If you're doing it yourself, that's probably fine. But if you're doing a mastering session, then that's double the cost. I mean, and, and that could be an issue that would be a problem for some people. Yeah. Um, Dave, do you think, I mean, I don't know what you run your software instruments at. So, I mean, had, you know, whether, whether that would, or whether you would kind of consider buying this sort of, buy into this idea of the, the fully, the full range. I suspect that some of your oldies and goldies favorites, you quite like to hear at full resolution or am I um, making a terrible supposition? I'm all for uh, increasing the quality, but I've got a theory about this. I've got a theory that, you know how it is when, uh, some techs get to work for a kind of superstar artist. They then start to kind of find ways of extracting a bit more money and then ultimately ends up with publishing or something like that. You know, that's always the kind of bane of any star's life, in my opinion. And I think what somebody has done, a tech has gone to Neil Young, stuck an iPod inside a Toblerone box (laughs) and gone, listen to this, it sounds amazing. And... Over time, he's managed to persuade him to invest in this entire new industry, uh, which is probably going to amount to nothing. Mm. There you go. That's, that's my, harsh. That's my harsh. two points. <laughs> <laughs> that's harsh. But, you know, it's an opinion I could... I, I, I sort of... I, I think... I think Neil Young's probably more famously known for his, uh, you know, audio file. Well, I mean, I'm 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 just talking perceived knowledge here. It's not like I follow, followed his career and spoutings on on the uh, on, on those subjects. I did find a very good quoting site though. Neil Young quotes this brainy quote. If I can find it here, mm-hmm. uh, there's loads of them. As you go through live, got, <laughs> there's just all of these kind of. Uh, uh, where's the one? I can't get the white. Um... Oh, you getting the mature dating ads as well? Oh, is that me? Oh, yeah, Peter. <laughs> I must be. Yeah. Good lord. But I don't know. I, I don't know whether or not this is all just kind of you know. It's like the the whether he's just the masthead and it sort of happens to fit with his thing. Because I mean, I saw him on the Letterman. I was going to play it, but I I, I guess we just get nobbled on uh, when we put this on YouTube. And you know, it wasn't really he wasn't really explaining it terribly well or the need for it terribly well. He was just saying it's better. And can I can I, I make a point? Of course you actually. can. Mate. I've always worked at forty four point one, sixteen or twenty four bit. If I feel really, you know, like pushing the boat out, I might record at twenty four bit. And everybody's been banging on about this, especially us lot on this podcast. And I've got a mate who works at forty eight twenty four because that's the broadcast standard to do that forty eight twenty four. So I sort of thought, well, I probably ought to work at ninety six twenty four, right? So I'm working in Logic 9 in 96.24. I started to do some stuff with Apple Loops, dragging Apple Loops in or auditioning them in the sidebar, and it doesn't work. They (laughs) won't loop. They play like the first little bit. They go boom, chip, boom, chip, and then it goes, 
and then goes round the loop and starts all over again. So you can only work at 44.1 in Logic 9 if you're using Apple Loops. And even if you try and do stuff in the sample editor, it doesn't work properly. If you're trying to loop stuff up in the sample editor, you have to go back to 44.1 because it won't loop. It just does this skipping thing. Oh, dear. So Apple are dragging the whole industry down. <laughs> Do you think that Neil Young is just using this as a bit of a stick to poke, uh, poke his executive friends well, I, at Apple? Yeah, I did wonder about that as well, because his whole, the whole thing seems to be geared towards if we can get all the other record companies to accept this format, then Apple will have to like join in and follow suit. It seems yeah. like... And, and all he had to do, and all he had to do was make a kind of uh, like you say, get an iPod Touch and stick it in a Toblerone case and paint and it if yellow. He, if he really wants to create like better, he doesn't want them following suit. Otherwise, he'll have competition. Mm. What do you want? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to, to speak to your point and Jazz's point, I have received 192K masters, and by the way, they came from Warner Brothers. Ah. So when it says here that Warner Brothers has been busily converting their catalog to 192K, 24-bit, rather. I meant 192K. When it says they've been busily doing that, I can stand to to at least testify on some level that they've done at least some of it because I have some of it. And, uh, yeah, it sounds great. I mean, make no mistake about it. It sounds wonderful, guys. It it sounds like you just pressed play on a Studer A800. It Mm. sounds like absolutely indistinguishable from what you would expect to hear from a good sounding tape machine. And I don't think 96K sounds much worse than that either. And that's why I say, you know, with my back turned, I'm sure I could be fooled. Well, maybe we'll get to 96K then in the meantime. I don't know. (laughs) I work at 96K uh, quite often these days, and I do find myself banging up against CPU, although now that I'm running a 12 core, I'm banging up against a little less CPU. But... Because I run so much of my stuff in RTAS, or what will soon be AAX in Pro Tools, um, it does tax the computer a bit. Uh, and the additional doubling of sample rate from 48 does prov- show some additional... I have to use some additional caution as I'm working to keep from beating right. up on this. It's it just... It's great. It's, it, isn't that bizarre that when you kind of... Uh, actually, to sort of use the latest cutting edge or at least partial at least half of the latest cutting edge of a possibility you have to kind of go back to what it was like when yeah. there wasn't it enough power to work i mean there is a sense of sort of space in 9624 that just isn't in 44.1 it's yeah. and it's something i think human beings have an ability to hear a set, I, I think we have um spatial awareness at a much higher frequency than we can hear Right. So I think there's a spatial awareness thing going on that we sense that we can't necessarily hear. Because I'm sure I can't hear much higher than about 15K now. But if mm. there's something else going on, some other kind of hearing, I mm. think that's what we sense. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I just suspect we're going to see... So, and, and where is it going to be sold? I mean, that's the thing. It's great. Yeah, but all the... You know, whatever massive percentage of music is sold via either amazon or or itunes and um so where's this coming from where's it going to be distributed because it's going to have to have all of that mechanism in but i don't want to dwell on it too more but it's worth you know it's worth checking out and i would like to i would like to hear some 192 i'm not sure if i've got any hardware capable of playing it back that's the thing right um 
I think I, I should probably say a quick word from our sponsors because um, time has marched on. This has proved to be a, a more interesting topic than I'd first imagined. So let me just press the button. And those of you who are watching the video uh, via YouTube or whatever will see that we have a video content. This is Yamaha World of Applications. They've got over 20 applications in the music category alone, and that's growing kind of rapidly. I've got various performance and play, a keyboard, ARP, and drum app, which has actually just been updated to synth, ARP, and drum app with a built-in synth. Uh, 61 sound, 7 kits, effects, it's got an arpeggiator, some MIDI control, perform and play, got faders and XY pad for controlling your mocks, your motif, your S90SX, your S90XS motif and rack XS, gives you a lot of possibilities to also edit and control the various voices, the XY control, and just things like effects, EQ, level of various different parts, just gives you a lot of kind of visual ways of controlling your, uh, your keyboards that perhaps, you know, if they haven't got such a large... Uh, um, display. There's also some other cool features. Uh, the setlist organizer was one that I really enjoyed, uh, which again is uh, just a MIDI, MIDI program change uh, system that allows you to send out program changes across five different uh, devices over MIDI to other devices with bank switching and also notes and phone number uh, notes and photographs that sort of things that enables you to kind of visually control uh, your entire rig from your ipad which uh, is really quite handy i thought and uh, but basically go and check out any of the yamaha apps they will be on the itunes store or you can go uk.yamaha.com and once again we thank them very much for their continued sponsorship of the show Right, this next topic, I don't know where to go next, really, because we well, that one was a bit longer, so we could kind of skip to some more favourites. we got the, the popcorn robots a bit sort of uh, perhaps flippant. Um, I, well, I'm quite happy to do it. Uh, we want to do photos, chip grooves, or um, one, or those little synth uh, stacked drone type things. Or, actually, we've also got the Hollow Sun. So uh, I'm sure we can probably get most of those in. Uh, maybe if we skip that. So, uh... What do you think? More chip grooves? No? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take another cap. So uh, what about let's go for the hollow sun then, shall we? Why don't we do that? Because I know that Rich has downloaded that one, and this is quite an interesting... Um, uh, I need to switch to there. There we go. This is the new hollow sun Alterion. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. If I press play, we can sort of hear it in the background... Uh, I, you'll have to tell me whether you're getting enough or too much of that or whatever. This is the demo of it. Uh, it's another Hollow Sun uh, product. Uh, again, very reasonably priced. Uh, it's 10 quid, which I'm guessing is probably uh, around about a 17, 18 bucks. And they say that it's basically uh, the sample of a portable communications device intended for an overambitious and abandoned man mission to Mars. I don't know if they made that up. I'm, I'm guessing they probably did, frankly, but... Um, it looks like just the ticket with all these dials. And I mean, no, they've done a great job on the interface, and obviously some great scripting in there. And it sounds very interesting. Got three oscillators. Uh, sorry, two oscillators, ring modulated waveforms, ADSR, multi-wave distortion chorus, convolution reverb, speaker sim combinations for vintage lo-fi tones. Uh, you are going to need the Contact 4.2 uh, full version to run it, which is the only downside. But Rich. You uh, you sent me this topic saying, this is amazing. So, speak up. I have the same feeling I had, and it, people are going to be throwing tomatoes at me for this, when I first walked up to an AKS Synthy. 
right. This thing sounds great. It does a lot of things I really like to do with synthesizers that don't involve playing, you know, lead guitar solos. It, th this thing really is a very cool. It's by far the best sounding sixteen and a half dollar synthesizer I've ever. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm feeling a touch of the endorsee coming on here. Mind I you don't know these guys at all, but I just I like their stuff, and I keep buying it at whatever sixteen bucks a pop because it all does something very cool. What's uh, how much? How, how big a download is it? Pardon? How big a download is it? Oh, I don't. It's quick. It didn't take long. That's pretty cool. I know um, Dave Spears. You've been um, you've been fond of the Hollow Sun stuff in the past. Is this something now? Your all your real equipment is being sort of uh, evacuated from your. Are you are you compensating by buying more software, such as this? No, I'm just moving stuff. Uh, no, I like I like their stuff. Uh, honestly, I didn't get a chance to check this out. And that's why I was kind of looking at it intently, going, oh, that looks nice. And <laughs> eager to hear what Rich thought. And yes. The only thing I was kind of tempted with, which was weird, recently, in the last day or so, was the Eno app. Oh, yeah. Only Escape. because on the BBC video, it had a load of video of him using Iris. <laughs> <laughs> to make it. Yeah, well, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's kind of really great. weird. Anyway, yes, yeah, sorry. I I'm saw that. Yeah, we buried it, but that does look quite interesting. Although, um, it's it's brilliant. His uh, his, his uh, some of the quotes in that are classic Eno, aren't they? You know, the sort of vagueness and the uh, the unpredictability and all of that kind of thing. But uh, I kind of fun. Or we'll maybe talk about that in another Sonic Touch yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. when we get round to that. But um, I know, Gaz, uh, are you yeah. you tempted? Definitely. I mean, I've bought a number of these and. They do bundles every so often, don't they, of these kind of, uh, what they call music laboratory machines or something, aren't they, MLMs. Uh, and there's a whole, there's, for those of you who haven't looked, I think there's maybe something like 12 of them now or thereabouts, I'm not sure, maybe more. Um, and the last one I got was the Advanced Noise uh, Generator, I think it was called. Um, and that's so much fun. And all these things are great. I mean, it, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, you have to have contact, that being the only downside. Why, you know, why, so why is that? I mean, that seems kind of like, why can't it play in the contact player? Tell me. <laughs> oh, I wonder. Don't know. It's probably something to do with the scripting, I think, to allow for those fancy GUIs, but um, don't know. Not sure. But, um, but just, uh, they're fun to use. Those interfaces are fun. And uh, uh, I think that they, um, you know, uh, I know for a lot of my friends, you know, they, there's the fantasy of like the BBC Radiophonics sort of type of thing is just very, very appealing. And uh, these really do kind of appeal to that, um, that aesthetic, that thing, you just turn knobs and it makes wibbly wobbly noises or, you know, um, and, I, uh, you know, and some soft synths, you have to go through a few kind of layers but this is all very immediate and very kind of off the front panel. Yeah, it's funny you saying the VCS actually there. Um, I think it was mm. Rich said that. Um, yeah. This is 10 bucks. The last VCS I saw on eBay, which was a couple of days ago when I was testing the site, was £10,000. Yikes. <laughs> oh, or maybe dollars. It doesn't no, really matter either way. Fair. I wasn't really comparing them on that level. <laughs> no, I know, but no, the aesthetic. But kinds of sound, the aesthetic. The I know. I realised that, Rich. I, I, I frequency modulated kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I realised that, but it was just funny that that, that 
two complete opposite ends of the scale, but with the same aesthetic. It's not the same thing at all, admittedly, but uh, just an interesting comparison there um, from either side. Uh, a lot of cash. Uh, but, yeah, this looks fun. I, the only thing is I can't try any of these because I don't have contact, so I'm never going to be in the, in the market for it, unfortunately, and that's, that's a shame because I, I just have to make do with listening to the demos. <laughs> I don't know, Mark, have you got contact? You're going to going to do, go I for this? I have got contact. I haven't, wasn't really aware of this company. I love the interfaces. They look brilliant, don't they? Yeah. There's one here called Broken. That sounds right up my street. <laughs> uh, what else do they do? They've got so, a whole, yeah. And the price point's like pretty good as well. You can't really go wrong, can you? I mean, there's, there's, more there's like nothing here for more than £10. Prices, yeah. And Nick, aren't they English? I believe you guys should be able to track these. They must these be English if they're... Yeah, the Steve, Steve Howell, he's... He's in Cardiff, Steve Howell, actually. Hollison, yeah. Yeah. And well, Steve Howell's interesting guy, isn't he? He, he, he worked on the interfaces uh, and the, uh, for a lot of the Akai samplers. I know the S2000, the, uh, he did a lot of the... Uh, yeah, that's the true. That is oh, right, yeah. okay. Very true. I mean, the interfaces mm-hmm. look like they make musical sense, and synthesizers mm-hmm. don't always make musical sense, and there's something mm-hmm. quite nice about, well, some of the labelling of the knobs on it. You kind of like go, oh, okay, I want to be, you know... Cognosphere. That's see. What does that? <laughs> I don't know. I think yeah, that's good. Good. Um, uh, Chevy. Um, I will have to go and try some of these. I think. He'll, yeah, I'll Rich says, "Let's get him on." I'm just seeing something going past in the chat room there, Rich, and I thought, "Oh yes, I'll say that." And I realised that you'd said it. <laughs> Let's get him on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that'd be great. Actually, I'd love to talk to him about it. He and just where the most interesting things I've seen in a long time, and I really yeah. enjoy his stuff. And he's practically giving it away. <laughs> practically bribing you to take it. But his his stuff that he did for the Alesis Fusion, I mean, you know, there's the before Hollow Sun and after Hollow Sun with Alesis Fusion. Uh, when the Alesis Fusion first came on the market, you know, it it, it 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 had a lot of bad reviews. A lot of that was down to the, the presets being pretty uninspiring. So I think they brought. But it was rubbish, wasn't it? <laughs> no, really. It I love mine. Awful. I love mine. I got one. I love it. Uh, but um, when was the last time you used it? I use it. That's a good point. Ah, <laughs> ah. <laughs> but I know some people don't think so it's did ugly. He rescue I, it? Yeah, he did. He brought he brought out a big library uh, uh, of class, mostly sample based stuff of classic of classic synths and classic keyboard sounds. You know, things like the RMI electro piano and um, all sorts of interesting keyboards the what's that the akai ax60 or something is it he sort of did a whole bunch of samples of that and uh and it made the it, it made the fusion a lot more fun anyway right okay well i, I it'd be good yes yeah, so and we might try and get him on at some time in the future um but yeah hollow sun you just go to hollowsun.com and uh, you can basically go get it if you've got contact or perhaps it's even worth buying contact for if you want all those i don't know how much it comes out at. it's probably a couple hundred bucks i'd imagine the minimum but uh, i i haven't done no research on that so i could be way um, off the mark no it's not there's a very clever way of buying contact for and that's if you go and buy contact one from uh, from where you can buy, you can buy yeah. into their upgrade path and it works out incredibly cheap where do you get contact one from <laughs> ebay ah okay but the native instrument <laughs> uh license cross grades and upgrades path is so fabulous uh, they have it absolutely so that you can you can do that because right. I did it. Okay. Being, being the, the kind of man that likes to... <laughs> likes a bargain. A deal. <laughs> yes, a nice one. All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll definitely um, 
check that out. I, I would like to try it as well. And in the meantime, um, what was... Oh, all right. Well, let's go to the... Um, what do you think? Massive stacked drone monster or the uh, $29, base, $29 base synth. That looks quite good. That's quite interesting. The drone monster. We'll start with the drone monster, uh, which I think is... Uh, I'm going to hope it's this video. Oh, yeah, there it is. Here it comes. The Nova drone... Uh, which is a bare circuit board uh, from um, Nova Dragon. Let me just get that, bring this up. Casper Electronics. And what I like here is this hot swapping, just kind of like adding them up. That just looks so cool. Though probably dangerous um, if you're not wearing grounded boots. And it just keeps going, and it gets to like twenty-seven of them, and um, and I just thought that's kind of cool. But I was a bit disappointed that they weren't quite as cheap as I'd hoped for. I think a hundred bucks each for the uh, uh, for a single uh, in kit form. If I just uh, let me find it, I think there's a store here somewhere. Yeah, it's a hundred bucks for the single one. It's like an open source kind of concept. Hundred bucks for a single, two hundred bucks for a double, uh, two hundred bucks for an assembled and tested one, and four hundred for a double. So that twenty-seven oscillators or whatever it was, quite for four hundred bucks, that represented. Tw- I, I know I'm not going to do the maths because I will shame myself. But that was really expensive, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps too expensive for the for the for the concert. I don't know. What do you think, Gaz? Would it be nice to have one of those, wouldn't it, or several? Well, I mean, it's interesting because as we will see with that bass synth as well, this whole kind of thing about getting these kind of bare circuit board type of, of things is kind of starting to really gain more and more popularity. And like the, we talk about the Raspberry Pi, that kind of comes in a similar way. And um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. But I just wonder now, is the market for sort of knobs and boxes kind of uh is that i have i haven't really been looking um i don't know but it seems like there's probably a good you're right there i mean i think there'd probably be a really good market for sort of aftermarket cases so you could just plonk these things in and make them look kind of nice because that was yeah whenever i've ever done or attempted to do any kind of diy electronics project yeah. putting it in something has been the most difficult part <laughs> of it and it's just the, the one that makes you yeah. just think really yeah well Matt for me Flynn. Maplin or RS. Yeah, but it always ends up looking a bit like a kind of something you find at the in the cupboard at a university test laboratory, and it doesn't have any kind of vibe to it. <laughs> I think, oh, and it's and also it's either way too big or way you know you've either got to really cram it in there or you can't. But I don't know whether or not that's the case. I mean, um, well, then you have to um, get one of those three D printers and design your own box. Then now. Ooh, well, yeah, that, you could design yeah. your. Now, but yeah, now we're talking. Yeah, so I got to yeah. pay four hundred bucks for the kit. <laughs> then I need what about three, four grand for the printer, and which I also have to make as well. well. So it, it's a bit like kind of yeah, I'd really like to uh, fix this, but first of all, I need to make an entire machine shop to allow me to do that. I don't know. It's it's outside my scope, but I do like the idea of it, and it does sort of tie in. I, I just like I like the idea of all this sort of drones. Uh, I thought that was kind of a cool concept, really. Um, and the, the amount, the idea of having this this many oscillators all happening at the same time. I mean, I've never been able to stack that many up. Have you got a uh, Dave? You're, you're the one with the biggest package, as it were, of oscillators. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
perhaps you could uh, tell us how, just how many uh, I'm, with, <laughs> you, you can stack up at a single time. You haven't got any modular stuff, though, have you? So I'm guessing it's probably going to be your eight voice, isn't it? Or have you managed to get more of them than that? Uh, actually, it's weird. Uh, the, 10, the Prophet 10's obviously got a fair few when you sling it in unison mode, but a unison mode is no good without a detune mode. Without some kind of detune, because everything kicking on the same, you know, with the same kind of, it just doesn't work. So, to a certain extent, I quite like the fact that these were modular, and you I, could, yeah, we're all over the place. So you've got that drift. Yeah, for me, that's what makes the eight voice so special because you can just get these really fine adjustments particularly with those kind of dual-centric knobs, you can get these really fine adjustments between oscillator pitches, which normally, you know, if you had them in isolation, it's a bit like a Tron, you know, if you listen to a note in isolation, you kind of go, hmm, yeah, but it's the glory of all these things together. So, yeah, to answer your question when you sent through the topics... You can never have enough oscillators. How many oscillators is too many? Yes, I've just noticed that I actually wrote that down somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I neglected to actually say it in the topic. But yeah, this is so Casper Electronics um, is where you can get it. You can buy the bits, you can get the parts list and buy the PCBs. There's lots of ways you can do it. So if you're that kind of person, you could probably build a bunch of them for for quite considerable savings. And I, I just really like the idea you can sort of slot them together. I think that's way cool. Uh, I don't know whether it would be of use. I, I don't know, Dave, uh, Rich, sorry. You're you're probably, you know, like you said in the past, your kind of uh, need for oscillators is generally, you know, you reach for the Minimo because you just know exactly what it will do. I mean, do you ever need to stack them massively in your daily job? <laughs> Not generally. But I never discount the possibility, and, and it speaks to something that was uh, brought up during Gaz's thing, which is, yeah, uh, you said when well when's the last time you used it? I have things I have I buy and then I don't use them for three years. Right. This might be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do a lot of projects that require these kinds of sounds. But one day he's gonna turn to me and say, We need to create a section that goes something like this. And I'm gonna find a use for one of those wacky ring modulated sounding belly, you know, pitch modulating things. And uh I love that stuff. It's stuff I love to do with that. Like I said, it's some of my favorite stuff to do with analog synthesizers that doesn't involve playing melodies on a keyboard. Yeah, actually. That um, kind of texture. Just in the chat room, Redwalk says he'd be better off doing those in uh, Dopefer format, Eurorack format. And I, I would agree there. That it's would really be a very idea. smart idea. Yeah. Just, you know, because that's how you need the faceplate. I don't know whether it, it looks, I mean, the actual board itself looks massive. Um, so I don't know whether or not, you know, how, I'm sure it could be done. You just mount them differently, but it would require a bit of redesign and work. But yeah, that would be a great idea. Get them in dope for format. In fact, that kind of leads on to the next topic a little bit, which I may as well play because uh, it's in the same vein. And it's kind of in the Raspberry Pi sort of vibe as well. This is something called the Bass Boy. I'm going to talk over this because this is uh, Robert Miles' children that he's uh, done. Left, well, on my headphones, it's right is the Bass Boy and left is everything else. And that's it, basically. That's the thing there. It's this tiny little thing with a jack plug on the end and a, and a MIDI interface um, sort of port that you could you can control the whole thing via MIDI. And it's 29 bucks, which actually makes it cheaper than the Raspberry Pi, which I think is a pretty is going some. That's that's a pretty impressive bit of sell. And, uh, 
So I, I like the idea of this. I mean, you could you could have banks and banks of these things. And it's very, it sounds, I know, I'll stop that. It sounds very much like a 303. He's gone for the 303 thing, you know. And that's quite funny because, what, 303 still retails for like a grand plus. And, uh, and this is $29. It might not be exactly the same, of course. I know, Dave, you, you created a Fatboy controller that was sort of, could kind of control 303 style software. Was there, um, what do you think of this? Again, it hasn't got a case. It was interesting, yeah. I really like the idea of it, and I love all this kind of DIY stuff and boutique stuff. But I really wanted to punch somebody after I heard the demo tune. <laughs> there are some other demos, actually, which are slightly less... Uh, in fact, there's one here which I could play. They're, they're slightly less um, Robert Miles. This one's still a bit acidy. I'm sure you'll love it. Let's see if we... There we go. This is sort of... He's obviously... Um, a man who is favours the Euro sound. What's no, not, not to like? Not too much. Mark will get flashbacks. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty good. But I mean, okay, the, the demo's not the best. No, 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 it is. Uh, and it was. And, uh, but at first I was kind of like, oh, God, you could have picked something slightly better than that. And then I thought, mm, it doesn't really sound that much like a 303 to me. And then it got better. Mm. And then I thought, wow. And then when the pr- whole price thing, it was like... This is quite amazing, really. This is actually cheaper than a Raspberry Pi. All right, it only does. It's part of the. Um, it's, it's Microelectronica is the site. If I go uh, here, here, and here, this is it on the on the uh, on the site. And that, it, it's a kind of uh, prototyping um, board system, and you can buy various different boards. And this is just one of the boards that you can kind of that's pre-made, and uh, and that's the kind of thing it's got. I mean, but I have to talk to Mark about this because Mark is. Or was or has been the three hundred three king. So has been, has been. Has no, been no, three hundred three king. <laughs> no, that sounded terrible. I, I wish no, I could no, rephrase no, no, that. I'm not taking that the wrong way at all. I'm just joking with you. Um, uh, hmm, it doesn't sound like a three hundred three to me. Enough like a three hundred three, and it sounds like it's got some squelchy eight bit thing going on, which I'm uh, never quite works does it but then at the same time if it's making all of the sounds that are in i mean well, no no why, just why it's do just i want to use this instead of a soft synth because i could just use a, a very good 303 sounding soft synth so i yeah you're absolutely right this? there is no reason unless of course um, you wanted to make an orchestra out of them for 29 bucks each yeah, which you see the thing is I'm, <laughs> i started making music in 1978 78 somewhere around there and Maplin was the big driver in that and there was a magazine called Electronic and Music Maker and they used to have all these projects on the cover so I spent my physics O level making things like this out of uh, Vero board and burning my fingers with a soldering iron and then stumbling in a couple of years later from the pub and treading on them when I was drunk and hurting my feet. So (laughs) whenever I see things like this, I kind of think it's just, you know, this is where I started off and I really wanted to be not like a teenager with a a whole load of electronics all over my bedroom floor and a burnt carpet. I wanted to be like one of the real guys with like the big synthesizer and everything. So I always kind of think I don't really want to go back there, I suppose. I suppose I, I, the I th- like but the thing is, is I, like, I like the fact that you had to, you know, that you had to approximate because you couldn't afford that stuff. You know, the fact that if you could approximate it, then you would tend to, your approximation would always have a slightly different angle than anybody else. And it never worked in the same way. And, you know, so therefore, 
therefore that's why you sound like you do because you didn't have access to all of that stuff right away because right now you can just get pretty much anything and it sounds pretty much about the same and it costs pretty much next to nothing compared to what yeah, the originals I cost. So. I mean, I built my own sampler, which was on a breadboard, and it was plugged into the back of a ZX Spectrum, and it had a very, very unique sound, and it sounded really cool, actually. And I wish I still had it, but I helped some kid out and sold it to him for 50 quid, and he probably took the ZX Spectrum and turned it into a games machine because he didn't really <laughs> understand what I was talking about when I was telling him what the sampler did. But, um, yeah, I'm... Yeah, I can sort of see the angle, but I still think you can do that in software. It all boils down to how much drive somebody has as a musician, I suppose, as to how much yeah, I suppose. What they're going to go out there and try and achieve as, as a musician. I mean, I can see it's fun, and... Um, I well, I, I think your point, your point is but... you can have just as crap a 303 emulation for, in freeware... <laughs> than paying 29 bucks, I suppose. I just like the I idea of... Couple, I bought a couple of 303 emulations, which are quite good, I suppose. I mean, I liked it that it did things other than the 303. If it's making all of those bass sounds on the, on the left-hand speaker for me and the right-hand headphone for yeah, you... Yeah, that was right. Um, if it's making all of those kind of hollow bass tones, then it's doing that quite well. So it seems to have, you know, it seems to have a little bit more going on than just being a... 303 emulator so uh without really hearing one without the youtube compression on it i can't 100 percent say i might no, okay I, no, fair enough yeah. it's all midi controlled and there's you know not much else kind of tread on it and hurt my foot yeah <laughs> just as likely it didn't have as many the pins were mounted um horizontally rather than vertically so i think you probably wouldn't hurt quite as much i know gas um <laughs> I, you know, I, I suppose the thing is with all of this stuff is, is when you're actually in the thick of it working, you can't really be dealing with kind of little boxes that cost 29 quid and might, you know, that the solderer might fall off at any minute and it might not work properly, can you really? So I suppose it's a luxury, isn't it? It's this sort of notion of having uh, the thought that it, wouldn't it be quaint and kind of it makes you feel somehow uh, more, more vibey if you use that kind of stuff or want to use that stuff but ultimately yeah, I mean it's not of great interest to me really because I lo- what I love about the Raspberry Pi is just that completely you know open nature of it and this is you know very fixed isn't it um, so and as Mark said you know a piece of software could be better and you know I don't want to be too negative about it it's so cheap isn't it but on However, it is interesting, just a quick point about Raspberry Pi. I've been sort of really enjoying seeing how things are starting to develop. There's a really fantastic controller that's on uh, Kickstarter at the moment. I'll put a link in the chat room for it but um, uh, that you can use for your mobile phone or you can use uh, with a Raspberry Pi. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Let's have a look. I'll let's have a look I'm, at that. I'm kind of just oh, really – yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, I'm just thinking, I'm just really looking forward to seeing more kind of bits of software coming Wow, out. they've had 110 uh, grand pledged. Jesus yeah. Christ. When you read about it, it's a terrific little box. I mean, you know, obviously... Has it got a Raspberry yeah. Pi in it? No, oh. but that would be cool. Uh, no, yeah. it's Bluetooth. It's, it's wireless. It's a wireless little control surface. So, you know, if you had your Raspberry Pi in a box connected up. Uh, so you use it for media know. center or whatever. Uh, the, that, that's yeah. kind of cool. It's completely open. It's completely open source. Um, and, uh, you know, but uh, it's just things like that. I, I, that kind of interests me, really. Just um, just how. Uh, yeah, I, I see know, that. To see 
who and what is going to happen next. Um, but regarding that little bass synth, I mean, tw- you know, twenty nine dollars. It's hard to argue with, isn't it? Well, well plus power supply, plus MIDI interface, plus uh, other stuff. Uh, that you might have to kind yeah, of, and then then it all yeah, starts well, adding up. The power yeah, supply is four hundred dollars. <laughs> That's a joke, right? Yeah, of course it is. I don't know how much the power supply is. Uh, Yeah, so, but you're right, though. When you factor it in, it really is just for hobbyists, really, I think, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Um, I I was wondering about the power supply on the other one when he kept plugging more and more and more of those things, and I was thinking... He must have a really hefty power supply at the end of that. Otherwise, otherwise something's going to go pop in a minute. Yeah, no, you're probably right. And I thought... Well, 27 of them, they probably, what, run at 5 volts, maybe? So it must have had a fairly decent current on it. Um, I suppose that kind of, that almost brings it, um, brings it round full circle. Let me just see what, what else we've got. I know, it's kind of fun, a piece of fun. And it seemed, I put the story up and people just seemed to, like, get, really go for it. I mean, they were really, you know, thrilled. But, and, I, and I admit, I mean, the, the idea of a Raspberry Pi or an Arduino thing with a, a dedicated control, I'd love to have that to control all of this stuff and all of the switches rather than these sort of ridiculously Heath Robinson kind of contraption I've had to build up over, over, over you know, months of, of research and figuring out. I mean, it works, sure, but I'm the only person in the world who knows how it works and nobody else could ever operate it without, without kind of the, the level of instinctive... Well, I, I'm assuming I'm, I'm not that clever, but it's so sort of disparate. It's just like you, you'd have to use it a lot to kind of think, ah, oh, I need to press this button because that's not, you know... And it'd be nice to have things self-contained and, and I suppose it's... Uh, it just makes me think that perhaps as this stuff becomes more affordable and more open, then rather than me tinkering around with Apple Script and MIDI over network, I could be tinkering around with a piece of hardware that just basically did it, you know? Mm. I didn't the have to have... The kid's obviously very, very clever because he's just like, you know, it said it comes from a childhood dream and he's written it in uh, really simple code so that it'll run on anything without glitching. So he's obviously very, very clever. So in terms of like something that showcases his... Uh, brilliance, then it's probably a really good thing, and it would be nice to see him make some other. Can he make a profit five that size? Actually? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like put in a packet of facts. Well, or you know, if, can if you, you think profit but, at twenty nine dollars, yeah, can make, yeah, that's yes, a good point. Exactly. Profit or profit, yeah, there's another possibility. <laughs> I would, if the Google Apps would allow me to write in the document that I've opened for this, I would actually write all these down, but unfortunately, it won't. Um, but. Um, yeah, I suppose you could. The other thing you could do with this thing is, is you know, make a polysynth out of it. Just get eight of them. Why ever not? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, I, I, well, because again, because it was, I'm guessing it's programmable via MIDI controller, isn't it? Yeah, so it's all MIDI. It's all MIDI control. So it picks the same thing up from each one. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, um, oh, audio focus popcorn robot. Is that worth just a quick um, a quick check on that? I think I've got that. Did I make a video? Did I get a video for that? I think I might have done. No, that's not it. Oh, that's the other one. That's not it. Oh, I haven't, got, I haven't done a video for that. I thought I had. That's probably no point then, because uh, <laughs> I might be able to get that actually in there. Let me see. I'll do a quick one, because I've got to leave a little bit early tonight, because it's a uh, birthday day. Um, let me just see if I can uh, if I can get that to run. Yeah, here we go. This is the uh, Poppinator. This was kind of cool. Sort of cool. See if it will play. Go on then. Or not, perhaps. I'm having a good tech day. Right, come on then, play. Ah, there we go. 
Pop. Yeah. While doing this thing. No, it's an. It looks totally manufactured and fabricated as a piece of viral marketing for the company, but. Popcorn launching machine that is triggered by the word pop. So you could be uh, sitting in your chair, standing in a room, and when you say pop, it's going to figure out where that sound came from, where the word pop came from, and shoot a piece of popcorn at it. The Popinator uses a binaural microphone system, which is similar to the way the human hearing system works. Basically, it's able to calculate using the small differences and the arrival time of sound waves and their reflections where a sound originated from. So why does it need those flashing LEDs, I wonder? Because that's got nothing to do with sound. Um, this was a really flippant one, and it looks like it's been made purely as a way of virally marketing um, the kettle corn, uh, America's number one kettle, kettle corn popcorn, popcorn Indiana company, uh, who are uh, clearly very pleased with themselves at the idea of this. Um, but it was kind of fun. Um, I wonder if it's actually true. Mark, what do you think? Do you think that was actually true? Yeah, probably. I just have a complete aversion to popcorn. <laughs> oh, well, fair enough. It's not for you. Especially on tour buses when people start making it at three o'clock in the morning. It's like, yeah, why? I can imagine that would be traumatic. <laughs> there is a moment. There's a story in there somewhere, but I, I, I sense you're not ready to tell it. It's, t- it's just uh, too painful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, butter, popcorn. Ah, but seriously, uh, I mean, well, not even, well, perhaps not seriously at all. It got me thinking because I did see uh, there was a uh, there's a couple, a couple of topics that fly by because I look at a lot of feeds at the moment. And one of them was, "What's your favourite studio snack?" And I just thought these could tie in perfectly, even though I haven't prepped anybody for this. Is there a snack that you prefer to eat while mixing at the studio, or is there something that you shouldn't <laughs> because of uh, issues with uh, you know uh, crumbs and the like? I know, Rich. I'm <laughs> sensing that you're you 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 possibly have the most to lose when it comes to uh, bad studio eating habits. Do you eat in the studio? Is there something that you, when you're working on a tough mix, like maybe you're doing a remix of a 5.1 live sheet gig and you have to remaster it and you're doing, you know, hard sort of gnarly mix work that will take a long time that requires, you know, working through breaks. What is it that you you would reach for in terms of studio snackage? A nice pastrami and corned beef sandwich from Gold's Deli. Okay, so um, full on. Yeah, absolutely. But but um, <laughs> but no, potato chips are no good because they get all over your fingers. Have I done it? Yes, I always have a towel nearby, and I'm constantly like wiping my hands off. But I still get stuff all over the place. But uh, I try not to, for the most part. Is the short answer to your question? Yeah, I I, I I'm looking at the floor here and um, realizing that. I've not been trying hard enough, actually, by the looks of the because I just what sit here, I eat my lunch here, and it's just you know. Popcorn shooter is the military implications of something that can deduce positioning that quickly and that accurately. Because if the guys claim that the only thing that's varying the delivery system is the irregular shape of the popcorn is true, then it seems to me that weaponry could be made to. It, much I'm like sure it the, already is. I mean, they use radar and all sorts of stuff, right? right? Much like the drone warfare we're dealing in now, I could see in close quarters this being used. Uh, <laughs> Delivering a large payload of popcorn. <laughs> oh, no, <not> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hands take, up! Take that! <laughs> hit you with the popcorn <laughs> yeah I, as a lot of this sort of this stuff has probably got i mean i i, I suspect the range i what i kind of like the idea of is um you could 
put it put other stuff in it. I wonder if it would be okay with sort of nuts or whatever. Whether that would just be too much for it. I don't know, Mark. What are you? What gas? Sorry, you're in the studio. You're presumably working. You're not playing till nine. What will you be snacking on while you're kind of, you know, what do you reach for? <laughs> this is a very flippant topic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Some might say pointless. <laughs> Misguided. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a funny machine, though, isn't it? I mean, all that technology for, for that very simple kind of thing. I mean, it's, I don't know if I believe it myself. But um, what do I go for in this? I do know that if I'm singing, don't eat peanut butter before you sing. Um, or peanuts, or, you know, like kind of um, peanuts in their skins kind of thing, or monkey nuts. Dreadful, dreadful combination. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Avoid the nuts. Uh, oh, yeah, for singing. You just get all, uh, just like, yeah. just peanut butter clogs your throat up. Um, God, I don't know, really. Do I, I don't tend to take much food into my studio. Um... I have got a popcorn maker at home, an old-fashioned one, which I love. So I do love making popcorn. God, I'm really struggling on this. Song. Okay, I'll, I'll let you go. I'm, I, I will start speaking and fill that void. <laughs> Dave Spears, I know that your room is actually fairly close to your kitchen. So I'm guessing that there is quite a lot of uh, cross, cross-pollination going on between rooms and uh, things probably make it into your studio that shouldn't do. So what is it that you reach for? Biscuits? Yeah. No, no, I've had my day. Oh, you've given up. You've given up all that stuff, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had me. I had the cholesterol test, and it was all grim all the way. So now it's apples, nuts. Which actually, somebody, uh, a musician, came in the other day and said, "Nuts, they're little fat bombs, mate." Which I thought was quite entertaining. Uh, and cranberries. Anyway, God, this is sounding really boring. I'm going to go <laughs> vegan next. I thought this was quite a funny little thing, though. But they did really, like Rich said, they really did miss an opportunity to ham up the video. Totally. <laughs> you, did, you think? <laughs> no, they could have done it way more. Because there's loads of times where he said pop and it just didn't happen. And it should have, you know, been hitting him in the head. And <laughs> it would have been, yeah, it could I have been really that. funny. They, uh, yeah, I suppose so they could have. Yeah, and, and, and I suppose... Um, I think it's a complete fabrication myself. Bananas! Yeah. <laughs> what happens then? Oh, my I God, here they come. <laughs> I like the idea yeah. of firing baseballs. I kind of... Actually, that'd be much better that it actually fired whatever it was that you actually said. So you, if you said oh, yeah. pop, it would be popcorn. If you said, I don't know, butter, it would be a blob. You know, do you see what I mean? Or, or various things. It just had a selection of uh, things. And if you said the wrong thing, it could be it could be a terrible mess. Or perhaps you could have ingredients. You could fire a bit of something and a bit of something else that would combine at the point of your mouth and into a beautiful, flavoury snack. <laughs> Missed a trick there. Maybe that would have been going too far. But I did say bananas because that is the ultimate studio food, actually. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But also... <laughs> well, that that's smell in the studio. Bananas? Oh, no, but biscuits. I what? tell you biscuits what, it's really, the some biscuits. There is something about bananas, though, that, pe- that I got told by, classical, uh, by, uh, by a very top classical musician. They said that bananas have got natural beta blockers in them. So if just about so, so classical musicians, if they're very nervous about a very sort of difficult uh, performance, um, eat a few bananas, and then it kind of keeps your nerves calm. Ah, really? 
Uh, yeah. Potassium, lots of potassium in bananas, and uh, very good for hangovers as well. My my motto actually is never say no to a banana. That's what I live by, and uh, because <laughs> there's it, another it, t- show title so right if, there. If anyone, if, <laughs> if, if anyone ever offers me a banana, I never say no. But some of my friends know this, and they. And they, and they I think that's got very good SEO possibilities actually there. So I might have to go for that. <laughs> Never say no to a banana. Right, I'll see if I can remember. <laughs> I got nicknamed Biscuit Tinley by Duran Duran because, <laughs> because whenever, the, whenever they had biscuits in the studio, I just used to eat the whole tin. And they, they, so that was... Um, nice. Taylor used to call me Biscuit, Biscuit Tinley. Biscuit Tinley, that's a great nickname. I'll just play a few that's more dulcet the- tones of the uh, Mini Nova. Uh, oh, brilliant. Anyway, um, i got to go. Um but that was great. Uh, good fun as usual. Uh, end it on a bit of a, a sort of light note. It's that sort of and finally ma- um, moment um, that, that they tend to put on the late night news. Only um, they're usually funnier. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us, everybody. Gaz, I wish you the very best of luck in your oh, yes. live gig tonight. Are you got a rehearsal or are you just going to go out on the town till then? Oh, I have no idea. But, but yeah, everyone, nine o'clock British time tonight. If you're listening another day, uh, go to... Um, brfm.co.uk someone in the chat room uh, told me that uh, and you'll be able to watch again so uh, yeah please do the rumble blows it's a cool actually we just did a video yes I saw that Snake, You're the one from the, um, the, the the police station that's right yeah all filmed with iPhones and um, you know it's I've only just started video editing that's my first kind of video I've oh, that's cool so, uh, it's up on YouTube. Please check it out. It's uh, Gaz Goldstar. Same same user there. You can see that in there. Yeah, please do. I'm really I'm really proud of my my humble attempt there. Nice work. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. And I will say goodbye to Mr. Mark Mark Tinley there. Um, thank you very much for joining us too. I'm going to go and research bananas for anxiety now. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you've got to be in the mood for a banana. But sometimes when when you are, it's the only thing that will do. Banana split is amazing, actually. If you like, cut it in half and put like tons of sultanas and masses of honey. That mm. always works for that me. That sounds nice. Yeah. Anyway, Mark, thank you very much for joining us. Also, and You're very uh, welcome. Thank you. I will also say uh, goodbye to Mr. Dave Spears, uh, who is uh, there in the bottom of the picture, right there. Uh, he might uh, he might show up in a minute if he speaks a bit more. He knows Sorry. the drill. You know what? <laughs> yeah. You know what you're doing. You're making I just it quite like mucking it about. Um, but so, uh, will you be there next week, or are you going to be out of there? Uh, be here. I don't know what's next week. What is the date next week? The date next week is going to be the tenth. Oh no! I'll I'll be here. I think the plan is to get out of here on the fifteenth, right? Uh, and then I'll have a whole heap of pain. But I'm still going to be using this room, you know, to kind of work. It's going to be your overflow room, isn't it? I know what's going to happen to that room. You're going to clear out all the stuff, and then you're going to end up gradually putting stuff back into it. But it won't be as organised. It'll just be piles of it. No, that would be a really, really bad thing to do. So it probably will happen. It will happen. I think what will happen is you'll just buy more synthesizers because you'll realise... Oh, I've got space. space. Oh, no, I can't tell you this. Well, actually, Chris turned up the other day and went, I bought another couple of synths. (laughs) And I just was like... Wow, because I know what they are. Uh, and then I just went, I don't know where we're going to put those. I have no idea. 
So yes, but I'll show them off when we when we get. Them. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Anyway, Dave, thanks very much for joining us. And also, we got uh, Mr. Rich Hilton there. If he uh, if if he would care to uh, make himself known, I can guess which what? window he'll go for. We go three, two, one, and then I'll I'll press less or left or right, and we'll see if it works. Okay, so you just got to say a couple more words, Rich. Woof. Uh, <laughs> I think you have to. Yeah, you have to say a, 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 Hi, about that me. much. Oh. I was wrong. I went to the wrong side. Oh, there we go. Rich, anyway, th- I just did I just see in the chat room you went to see Eamon Tobin? Yes, I did. Wow, you... Oh, was it good? Was it thrilling? Was it what? Was it good? It was good. It was, was it a visual that? feast. It was, it was remarkable, actually. Was that the box? It's it's all the kind of... It's ah. what he showed. And it's powerful, and it sounds incredibly loud, and the amount of bottom end in that room was stunning. Oh, that sounds great. Oh, I have to quiz you a bit more of that. that. But anyway, Rich, thank you very much for joining us. Hiltonius.com, um, keyboard player with Chic, Nile Rogers studio guy, whereas, as I always say, there's a limo downstairs waiting him to take it, whisk him off and make another hit, no doubt. Um, so, yes, thank you very much for joining us, Rich. Great to have you back. Thank you. And I'm uh, Nick Bat, editor of SonicState.com, and that was Sonic Talk number... 285.